Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the IFLR podcast. My name is John Crabb. I'm the America's editor at IFLR. Today, I'm joined by Laurie Robinson-Hayden, founder and CEO of Corporate Counsel Women of Color, a not-for-profit organization of female black lawyers and attorneys in the United States and abroad, who also serves as assistant general counsel at a major entertainment company. Hi, Laurie. Thanks so much for joining me today for the latest IFLR podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and share your insights on the incredibly difficult and important issue of race in the legal sector based on your experience in private practice as corporate counsel and from your position as founder and CEO of not-for-profit organization, Corporate Counsel Women of Color. After the murder of George Floyd on May 25th, the global response has been incredible and the amplification effect on Black Lives Matter movement has been truly unprecedented in modern times. In the weeks following the incident, I put a lot of thought into what role I can play in contributing to change and show support for the movement while taking advantage of IFLR's huge network, both in the US and further afield. So on the day before Juneteenth, I can't think of a better entry point into the discussion to talk to you today, Laurie, as founder and CEO of Corporate Council Women of Colour. For those of you who don't know, Juneteenth, also widely known as Freedom Day, is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the end of slavery in the United States. It was on June 19, 1865, that the Union soldiers were led into Texas with news that the war had ended and that those enslaved were now free. With that in mind, and with a lot of ground to cover, I won't hog the airways any longer. I know you have some great material to share with us today, and I'm extremely confident that listeners are going to be fascinated to hear what you have to say. You've dedicated a lot of time and resource into looking at the challenges that black women face in pursuing a legal career within corporations and law firms. Why don't we start? by talking about the research you've done in this area and the issues being faced every day. John, thank you so much for having me on your show and for tackling and addressing this issue. I'm excited to talk to you about the research that we were able to do, its findings. Uh, and I'll just start with the research. In 2011, Corporate Council Women of Color um, embarked on conducting groundbreaking research of the work experience of women of color in corporations. Uh, from that research, we examined 14 different components of their work experience, which included current job satisfaction, barriers to advancement, and comparisons between their experience at law firms and at corporate settings. And what was really interesting about the research and its findings that many people didn't know about women of color, in particular black women who work in house, is that many of them started their careers out at law firms. Over 76.5% of our respondents started their career at the law firm. So it enabled us to look at their experience at law firms and in corporations. So the majority of them left the law firm settings because of what they cited to as barriers. And those barriers included uh, not feeling valued, not feeling supported, a lack of mentorship, dissatisfaction with the quality of work assignments, the lack of promotional opportunities, the senior attorney or partnership ranks, the lack of training and development opportunities, and the difficulty in meeting billable hours. And throughout uh, the last, I would say, 15 years, Black attorneys have had a higher attrition rate at law firms than any other minority group. And this helped to provide some insight into some of the experiences that they were having at the firms, as well as the reasons why they left. 
are responding to left law firms to go in-house interestingly stated that they felt that their experience at working in a corporate legal department was better than their experience at a law firm. So when we asked our respondents to compare the two environments on why the corporate setting was better, uh, respondents stated that it was better because they had um, a significant opportunity to interface with senior management, work more with their clients. They had a better quality of work assignments. They found that there was an atmosphere of inclusion, upward mobility, and training development opportunities. So from, from the information we were able to glean, and we conducted a variety of focus groups, we were able to put together some, some solutions for law firms, corporations, as well as law schools for Black lawyers and my other minority groups. So it's coming up for 10 years since that piece of research was released. Um, so would you say there's been much progress in that time or is the message still much the same? Over the last 10 years, if you look at the numbers in 2011 when we did the research, with respect to black partners at major law firms, there were only 1.71% black partners at law firms. If you fast forward to 2020. That number hasn't really increased. Black partners at major firms, that number is now at 1.83%. With respect to general counsels of Fortune 1000 companies, the uh, diversity in terms of Black general counsel has gotten a little bit better from 2011 when we first looked at this. At that time, the number was 0.6%. Fast forward today, that's about 5% of the Fortune 1000 uh, GCs are Black, which puts the number at around 50. So over the 10 years, not much progress has been made. And you know, people often ask, why? Why are we so slow to move the needle for, for black general counsel and black law firm partners. And from the research and from the focus groups and just from our analysis, the reason why is that there's not a commitment from the top uh, and it's not a consistent commitment from the top. And the atmosphere is not an inclusive work atmosphere. And there've been a host of studies of biases in the workplace, um, including unconscious bias. And if you don't mind, I would like to share with you some of the findings from the studies that I think will shed some light on what's going on at law firms and in corporate legal departments as it relates to hiring, retention, and advancing. Um, there was one study out there that showed that in terms of law firm applicants, uh, applicants that had a typically white sounding name received 50% more callbacks than um, an individual with an African-American sounding name. Uh, Dr. Aaron Reeves has also done bias research. And um, maybe a few years ago, she did research around uh, a memo that was created. This memo was created and it was disseminated to law firm partners. Um, one group of the law firm partners, they were told that the, the author, the associate was a white associate. 
Another group of partners, they were told that the author associate was black. With respect to the feedback in that memo research, the partners found more errors in the black memo. Now remember, these are it's the same exact memo. The only difference is one group thinks someone white wrote it, another group thinks someone black wrote it. The partners found that the black memo rated lower than the white memo. And then when it came to the comments, the people responded about the white memo that the associate had potential and good analytical skills. And when they talked about the black associate, they said the associate needs a lot of work. So, I mean, I think when we look at what's taking place in the realm of biases in the workplace, th that results in, you know, if we're, if we're weeding people out of the application process because they don't have the name we're looking for, they don't like have high pedigree uh, extracurricular activities, then those people never make it in our door. So you have a hiring problem. Then with respect to the people that do get hired who, who are there, from this memo study, if we're treating one group harsher than the other, then what happens is the consequences is that spills into the type of work assignments they get, the type of training and development they get that impacts their billable hours and their ability to make them or not. And then that has an impact on their compensation. Will, will they get a bonus or will they not get a bonus? Will they get a pay raise or won't they get a pay raise? And the ultimate issue is, will they be up for partners? So when we look at what's going on in the workplace, I think that results in that revolving door and black people leaving um, faster than any other group uh, in our law firms. It sounds like it really needs some work. Uh, here at Euromoney Institutional Investor, I have been quite impressed by the genuine attempts to strive for inclusivity and diversity from the top down. We have a, a very vocal employee-led diversion and inclusion group that is working hard and publishing a lot of excellent material and offering a lot of training and education. Um, so I'm very interested to hear about how your members are responding and also how your clients, assistant general counsel, a major corporation are as well. Have you seen a push for greater diversity? Well, I think with with everything that's been happening over the last three weeks, we have seen many corporations and law firms come out with support for Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I think when we look at the corporations and the law firms that are donating hundreds of millions of dollars externally, um, one of the things that they have to make sure that happens is that they don't forget the pipeline of Black lawyers that are in their workplace internally. So with respect to my members, when we talk, um, you know, and I've received hundreds of phone calls from my constituents, um, one of the things that they are actively doing is they're picking up the phone and talking to other uh, lawyers about their experiences, sharing the experience and providing one another with support. In addition, they're sharing those experiences with their corporations and their law firms and providing, you know, real time feedback on the culture, what's right with the culture, what's wrong with the culture and how do we need to fix it? And then with respect to, you know, what my other uh, assistant general counsel colleagues at multiple corporations are doing, 
I think corporations are being uh, as proactive as they can. In addition to the statements, they are, you know, asking for days of silence so that people can reflect. They're um, conducting unconscious bias training. They're forming committees within uh, their organizations for black lawyers to have a space and a voice to talk about issues relating to culture. And I think some of the corporations that are really serious about this, they're looking into pay equity matters. They're doing research around how minority lawyers, black lawyers are compensated in comparison to their peers. Now, you can do the research, but if you find that minorities and blacks are underpaid, you have to fix that. So we want to move beyond the statements to action items. I think it's too soon to say whether results have happened now, because this has really happened over the last month. But I think by the end of the year, we'll see if we're gaining traction or if we're losing traction on this. Okay. So as the injustice become more and more apparent and there is a kind of greater strive for change is of course very important to discuss what can be done to improve the situation at the base level as you mentioned that's reforming recruitment practices or introducing mandatory unconscious bias training um i'm sure you have a lot of solutions that you believe would help improve the current situation seen across the legal sector i'd be very interested to hear what they are well, you know, we, we could talk about this topic for, for days, but I think if if I were to sum up the solutions, I would say these are these are solutions that are not complicated. These are easy solutions that are achievable. Um, I mentioned the training earlier, um, the unconscious bias training. Uh, corporations and law firms, they're doing that where people can have an opportunity to assess, you know, what are my biases and how do I consciously address that every day? Um, in addition to the training, I think individuals who are interested in being engaged on this topic have to make sure that individually that they are staying aware, that they are staying conscious with respect to their decisions and their actions in the workplace. They should ask questions of, of themselves and of others. For example, you know, when it's time for hiring, what schools are we going to recruit from? You know, how diverse is our pool of applicants? Do we have a diverse pool of applicants? Are we even posting the jobs that become available? Or are we just slotting internal candidates in and people don't have a chance to apply? Those are the things that can be fixed. We talk about the pay gap. That is not a secret. Why are we not looking at the, the, the salary analysis of our workforce and correct, correcting it? There's no reason why disparity should come. Another area I think that I hear a lot of chatter about and concern about when it comes to Black lawyers relates to their assignment. They don't feel that they are being given quality assignments or that they have access to high profile assignments where they can get in front of the client or get in front of the senior management team. Uh, they, they observe that uh, the supervisor who assigns those assignments is giving those assignments to their friends or people who they feel more comfortable with. And that just has a negative impact on the workplace. So why, why don't we make transparency occur around how assignments are distributed? 
Or why don't we, you know, have have an opportunity where if there are assignments that come in and you have a group of five people, you open the assignment up to all five people and let say, hey, look, I got a new assignment in on X. Would any of you like to lead the, the assignment? That gives everybody access to have a chance to handle this, the assignments that they feel will be rewarding and satis satisfying. So, you know, we've got to take action. We have to um, increase our contact with relevant groups. You know, I, I am from Fort Washington, Maryland, which is in Prince George's County, Maryland, a predominantly African-American population. But I know that there are some people who, you know, they were raised in communities or they live in communities where they don't have a lot of touch points with minorities. If, you know, if that's you, I challenge you to, you know, connect with black and minority attorneys on your job, invite them out to lunch, um, go to minority related conferences where you can see successful attorneys of color um, in the workspace of a conference and that will help to counter stereotypes. And we've all got to keep, we've got to keep learning. Uh, this is an everyday thing that we have to manage every minute, every second to make sure that we're staying conscious. And there are great books that you can read on the topic, including Blind Spot, Hidden Biases of Good People. And they've got great TED Talks that you can watch on your own computer, Verne Myers, who's the chief diversity officer at Netflix. She has great talks on overcoming biases in the workplace. Stay educated, stay engaged, and, and be purposeful. And I think that's a good segue into talking about the your organization, the Corporate Council at Women of Color. How, what are you doing to, to help and how can members kind of look to you for guidance? One of the things that we do every year is an annual career strategies conference. So this year we will be talking about these relevant issues. We will be talking about the impact of COVID on the black community and the black lawyers. And we will be also talking about what has recently happened with the George Floyd um, killing and how that impacts lawyers in the workplace. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people want to think of this as a criminal justice issue, but when you really think about social justice, social justice has to happen in every system, including the workplace system. So we give our members empowerment, encouragement, and the tools that they need to be successful in the workplace setting. And then we um, are connected and partnered with over 150 corporations and law firms, and we proactively plan to reach out to them over the course of the next six months and talk to them about the women of color research, um, which has had a surge in interest again, even though it's a 2011 research, the topics are still relevant today. And we're gonna just keep the dialogue going um, on the solution part, you know, making sure that you dismantle those barriers. And number one, people have to be aware that what the barriers are if we're gonna get, get, get them resolved. Of course. So looking forward, what are your, your hopes for the future? What would you like to see in, say, two, five, or ten years' time? Do you think we're on the, the right trajectory? And are you optimistic or pessimistic that uh, this very important moment will be a catalyst for real change? 
Well, I would just start by saying that I'm very optimistic. Uh, before our interview today, I was watching the 12 o'clock news and they had a story about an eight-year-old white boy. He had chalk in his hands and he went to an area school and he wrote on the wall on the outside, Black Lives Matter. And an off-duty cop came with a bucket and um, some rags and started wiping down Black Lives Matter because he believed that all lives matter and he washed Black Lives Matter off the wall. And then the young boy determined, went and got his chalk the next day and went back and wrote Black Lives Matter. So I'm optimistic because I don't think I've ever seen where um, white people have been expressing around the world Black Lives Matter. And I know that th this is a major change from what has occurred in the past. And I think with respect to the legal profession, you know, the change will happen if we're serious about it. I'm optimistic that we will be, but the proof is in the pudding. But I will feel good when that 1.83% Black partner number can increase significantly, um, you know, at least in the double digits. I think that will be a lot of progress, but right now um, it's not there, but we have to be purposeful to get there. So the short end of it is, you know, two years from now, I wanna see the numbers move. Five years from now, I wanna see the workplace more inclusive. 10 years from now, I want everybody to work hand in hand and we won't need shows like this, John. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so unless you have anything else you'd like to, to raise or to bring up, um, I have to thank you for your time and insight today, Laurie. It's been absolutely fascinating. It's uh, obviously a very important discussion to have, not only in our sector, but across the board. And I do hope our discussion today can go some way to help educate our listeners about the difficulties that black attorneys face every day. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Thank you, John. And I know with committed people like you, change will happen. Let's hope so. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you.